Clock in the podcast, man. Marshall Hamilton here, co-host. Other co-hosts, Austin Hamilton. And Marshall, you can you can kick this one off, man. This is this is gonna be a treat, and, and I'm super excited for it. Yeah, man. So we have uh no other than Chef Kenny James here with us, man. Um he's doing a lot of big things in the culinary field. Um, and I'll let him kind of you know tell his story, and I can steal his thunder, man. But uh, I'll let Kenny introduce himself, man, and then we can get going. Hi, uh, my name is Chef Kenny James. I'm a private chef for uh, the Portland Trailblazers, a, a few of their players, and I have been for the past uh, almost 10 years now. Uh, I love to cook. It's my passion, and it's uh, led me to, to doing many uh, great things in my life, and I just try to stay clocking in. There, there you go. There and you down. go, man. Um, so as you guys can see, man, we have – very special guest, and um, I, I did call an audible with with the with the topics, man. I had to add something in there. So, um, my mom is, is from from Charleston, South Carolina, right? <laughs> and uh, he's been cooking since she was five, like like cooking like meals since she was five. Probably you know similar to how you saw your grandmother cook. You know, we'll get to that, but uh, she's known for her her mac and cheese. Yeah. Right? Known yeah. for her mac and cheese. And uh, it's, about it's a year ago. Five, Jeff. I'm telling you, man, it's top five. Yeah. You got to yeah, try yeah. one of these days. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> top five. <laughs> it's, it's like that. So we, you know, the millennial generation, we're starting to have our own, like, Friendsgiving, host Thanksgiving. And we see a lot of bad mac and cheese, dog. Like, we see yeah. a lot of bad mac and cheese. <laughs> so we came up with this list of the top <laughs> indicators of good mac and cheese. So. Um, I'm gonna list them and then we, I just need you to give us, you know, are you clocked in on that one? Or are you clocked out? And, okay. uh, if, if you're clocked out on it, you know, you can tell us why, cause you know, you're the, you're the expert. So, right. um, some of these are, are yeah, we, they're if, foolish. There's one thing about us, chef, man. We, yeah, we be fooling, man. Like we, we like to have more time. All so right. you're, you're probably, you're probably laugh at these. All right. So, so number one. <laughs> It has to be served in a in a square or rectangular dish. <laughs> okay, because here's the rationale: if it's yeah, a, if it's in a circular dish, right? The the it's probably too many noodles, man. The noodle to cheese ratio isn't. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 unless it's the unless it's the the leftover one that they give to you to take home. So that's <laughs> that's number one. So okay. how do you feel about that one? I I think that uh, I'm a clock in with that. The okay. reason I'm a clock in with that one is because square dishes to me might give you a little bit more surface area versus okay. circle dish. So um, a circle dish, in my opinion, it, it might look like a pie pan or a little casserole dish, and that's just not enough mac and cheese. So like you said, the noodle to cheese ratio might be off. It might be all kind of problems with the circle. So yeah, I'm I'm a clock in and say that. Yeah, there, there, there good mac go. and cheese is this this rectangular situation. Agree. <laughs> and this is and we did this for like Thanksgiving, so that's another you know 
another thing we added. So number two is the cheese to noodle ratio. So here's the thing, man. I, I, I saw a lot of people post pics for videos and I see hard noodles popping out the top. Mm -hmm. And this is, and, then, and I, I do want to preface, this is like the baked mac and cheese, not like the, the one you get at the restaurant appetizer where it's the noodles and the cheese and they throw in the, the crumbs. We're talking about like the Southern baked right. cheese. So the Cheeto to noodle, the, the cheese to noodle ratio it has to be has to be right, man. I don't know what the percentage is. Maybe you can give people a percentage, but because and, and and I was about to ask because this one uh, we might have to have a clock freeze on this one, man. Because are we okay. talking about cheese on the top or are we talking about cheese on the inside? Because sometimes it's all noodles on the inside, and then you got a nice cheesy layer on the top, or sometimes it's real cheesy under there, and then like you saying, you get that burnt noodle. Cause they ain't put enough cheese on the top. So cheese to noodle ratio, what we talking about? Like, uh, that, that's a good question, man. I'm, I'm talking about, so if I take a scoop, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it There should be, it, I should be pulling cheese. It, there should be some resistance. Yeah. It's a it resistance. Should be it, it shouldn't be a, I shouldn't, it shouldn't be like, um, 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 I'm scooping cornbread out. Right. Like I, <laughs> right. it just comes up. I, I it should be, it should be a struggle. You got yeah. a little bit. Yeah, like like, <laughs> like it's a fish on the line. You're trying to hug <laughs> exactly. to it. Okay. Right. Say, okay, well, then in that case, that ratio has to always be more cheese than noodle. Always more. So if we're talking cheese and noodle ratio, we'll say 65, 35, maybe 70, 30 on a good day. But once you go. go to 60 40, you're starting to lose the battle, man. So, like, <laughs> I say that's where I'm talking about if we clocking in on the cheese and noodle ratio. That's 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 kind of what, what we're thinking, man. 65 35 70 30. All right, number three. Um, this one, this one's debatable, but a golden brown top crust. So, pretty much, mm. you get that top, you know, you have that cheesy layer up top, assuming we have the right cheese and noodle ratio, and uh. You know, you, you you get that 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 nice golden brown, uh, or even like dark orangish. You had, had me. You had me at golden brown. I'm in. I'm all the way. <laughs> uh, you if if you know, you know. You don't even have to describe that the yeah, way. That's it. Everybody who knows what you're talking about, ruling <laughs> right now about that nice little golden. It looked like a pizza almost. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, yes, yeah, all the way in. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All the way. Um, this is related to the cheese and noodle ratio. And this is what Austin was talking about. You need help to finish the scoop, right? So so you, you get the scoop and 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 you see the cheese is is it's not ending. So you need somebody to come, you know, Rambo slice. You, you, usually, usually it's your auntie, grandma, or mom. Let, let me let me help you out, baby. You know, it's just to the brush. yeah, yeah. We got the debris. I'm I'm with you. <laughs> All right. This one, uh, I think you'll appreciate this one. Uh, 10 to 20 years of, of culinary experience. That doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, certified like you. But we we didn't seen a lot of people try mac and cheese for the first time and then bring that to this is for Thanksgiving. All right. You, if you want to cook it on your own, but to yeah. bring it to Thanksgiving, you got to have 10 to 20 years of certified, you know, people ask for your mac and cheese experience. Okay, um, I, I I agree with that. I think okay. that you don't just throw a rookie in and expect them to bring in the right macaroni and cheese. It takes a lot of passes and fails, 
it take a lot of uh, Easter's, it take a lot of birthdays. Because <laughs> we're talking about the one holiday, but you've been tried and true throughout the season yeah. and come through every other holiday. So we are trusting you with the big one. Yes. But no, you're going to need some years under your belt before we trust you with that or the potato salad. So there, there you potato go. Potato salad is another one. It's, it's too much of a staple, especially in the black community, right? Like, right. You can't, you can't fumble the bag on, on the mac and cheese or the potato salad. So I'm almost cornbread, cornbread, cornbread another one. And I've seen your cornbread. So I already know it's official. See, yeah, um, I, I couldn't tackle that, but I, I dare not try and go after my mom's potato salad. I have been doing this professional job for multiple uh, years, and I will still never come close <laughs> to attempting her potato salad because that's a that's a staple that's been in the family for so long that has nothing to do with culinary tradition. Right. Got to know the secret ingredients and, and, and the way to make it. So, yeah. It's like you have the street ballers and you have the dudes who've been, you know, professionally trained for, since right. they was five. There's a right. different, they can all, they can all hoop, but the street baller has some, they have a different. Right. Mom know. take me to the rucker with the potato salad. So, <laughs> I can't even, yeah, she'll bounce the ball off my head. And <laughs> I can't even play with her. Uh, two more. All right. Um, word of mouth certified. So here's the thing, man. Um, if you're telling people about your mac and cheese, if you're the first person who says it or you're always promoting yourself, I'm not really going to be a believer. I have to hear other people talk about your mac and cheese for me for it to be certified. And, and that's because um, the people who, who are talking about it, and this is a life thing, when people are talking about it, they need that validation, right, that it's good. The people who, who really know how to do it, they don't really need that. It's, it's you know, it's it's just it's like Dame and Clutch. It's like Dame and Clutch time. Man. I was gonna say, like it's almost like Dame's game. Like Dame don't talk much. He he let his game do the talking. So I mean that that's it. I, I wanted to I, I'm fully in on that because uh there's there's kind of a motto that goes with Thanksgiving too. It's uh you need to see who, that who's asking about what's being delivered during the football game. Ooh, so like you sitting down and who, who's making the macaroni and cheese? Yep. <laughs> such and such. Oh, we good. If they sit yeah, down yeah. and they go back to watching the game, yep. you're, you're, the mac and cheese is taken care of. Yep. So look for that same experience in the veterans who have come to the holiday. Look to your elders and see if they sit back when they ask who's making the greens. Who's making a macaroni and cheese? If they get nervous, then you should be nervous too. <laughs> if nervous, then, then go and sit back, have a good time because reputation does precede itself. So right. yeah, you definitely need somebody to, to lay claim to what you're going to do. But I get that claim way early. I look for, for relaxation and confidence in the people who know what's coming. Right. Mm -hmm. There you go. And that last one, this one is, this one is, it's idiotic. It was all Marshall too. This it was this was nah. This wasn't me. This was this was our god brother Eric. <laughs> so he said, you said the loose, the loose triceps. So this is really even the black community. He said, if she if she scoops it and there's no dribble, no then I don't know. I mean, look, I don't know. And this, this is no disrespect to people, you know, the <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. No shaming. People. No shaming. 
Yeah, it's no shame about. I don't know many people who don't have that. Who know? <laughs> yeah, I, they they storing something in the, something from the, <laughs> in that back tricep part. It's something right there. Just <laughs> help the wrist somehow. I don't know what it is, and I agree with you. So yeah, and and it's it's just like in the choir. If I see a woman and she look like she gonna sing lead. I'm looking okay. for a few things out of her. And when I see those <laughs> things, uh, I know we're going to have a good day in the yes, church. So, you yeah. have a, power, a powerful voice, too. You have a powerful voice, yes. Yeah. 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 Tamala Man joint. You know? Yeah, you know, so <laughs> she going to bring the power. Macaroni and cheese and, and a soprano, <laughs> we good. We good. Yes, sir. That's a, that's right. a curious, man. So y'all, y'all heard it from somebody who's certified, all right? So y'all can't say that it's just us trying to be, you know, biased or, or critical of y'all. Um, so we play this when, when November comes so that you guys can remember. Um, but yeah, man, just <laughs> wanted to kind of use that as an icebreaker. Um, but what I wanted to start out with is, is your journey as, as a chef, man. Um, you know, I don't know that many black people that are chefs, especially black men. And I say like color, like certified culinary chefs. Um, and I think that people hearing your story, man, will, will, will encourage people um, to look into that field, man, because, you know, you'll get into it and we kind of talked about it, you know, before we hit record, but you've had a lot of good experiences with it. And um, yeah, man, we'd just love to hear, you know, uh, the beginning, you know, what, what got you into it. Um, and then what made you take that leap to, to decide that this is what you want to do with your life? And then I'm sure there was some struggle, right? I'm sure there was some, uh, you know, some adversity. Um, and, and then, you know, kind of how you got to where you are today. So let, let's start with, let's start with that, man. Then we may ask some questions in between that. Hey, well, my, like you said, my road was very unorthodox, but I always knew what I wanted to do. So uh, that was key for me, was just self-awareness at an early age. Uh, they, they always say that you lose one sense and it's always heightened in another. So since I had never really had good vision, I've always worn glasses since I was a kid. I think that my sense of smell and taste was heightened. And that's the way I guided myself through life. So when I was a kid, I would have my grandmother uh, just help uh, in the kitchen. So if she wanted me to do anything, if she wanted me to stir something, add something, so she could just keep watching her stories or that she didn't have to get up, she would just have me do it. But as I was doing it, I started engaging with the flavors and, and really asking people like, do you know how good this food is that granny is making? And everybody else was like, it's just food. And I'm like, no, like there's something different and dynamic about what she's doing with food. And I always felt a connection a little bit more than everyone else. So uh, as I grew up, I had my fair turn at sports and things like that, but it didn't really call to me until I got into vocational school. And once I got into vocational school, I was able to study culinary arts as well as um, take my high school diploma and prerequisites. So I graduated in high school with the vocational degree and then pursued the culinary arts after that. So for me, it's always been a passion of mine, something that I love to do. And yeah, it, it just spoke to me ever since I was a kid. Man, one thing that, that stood out to me, um, and I've talked, it's funny, I talked to someone about this, I think last week, is um, you didn't necessarily go to traditional, 
you know, four year undergrad college route. Right. And, and what we were talking about last week is that's really the only route that's, that's pushed. Right. And there's a lot of kids, man, who have a vision and they have different passions like yourself. Um, and they're they're told if they don't go to the traditional college, they're not going to be successful. Um, so can you talk about the experience in, in the vocational school and, and kind of how that helps you? Because I think there are a lot of kids and whether it's culinary or, or auto mechanic or whatever, plumbing, like they need to know, like, hey, I, I can make it, you know, if I don't go to go to the traditional route. Yeah, I, I definitely think that um, I was on the cusp of when the, ex, the expected route was being pushed in a, in a different direction. So going to the school that I was going to, I was fortunate enough to be on the cutting edge of what it looked like to get particular information ahead of time. So right. that's what vocational schools do for you. They set you up to be the guinea pig or the student of future technologies, future cooking styles and things of that nature. So like you're actually learning how to be what the future is preparing you for without having to pay for the $100,000 education. And right. most times you have, uh, you have people that were in positions to hire you that were a part of an antiquated system. So that system would tell them, hey, we need this much uh, education from you. We need this many references or to have worked at a particular restaurant. Nowadays, you can get that same education working on a food truck. You can get that same education traveling abroad and more chefs that are in the position like me now are seeing you because of our route. So right. it's the perfect mix of the changing of the guard of the antiquated system being done away with, as well as the younger people who grew up with a sense of freedom becoming the elder guard. So now that it's people like me in position who didn't come from the four year, uh, $100,000 a year school, we pretty much know what it takes. But if I wasn't here to pass the torch down or listen to someone who went through my similar vocational training, right. then they wouldn't be able to capitalize on the, the situation. So I think it's really about going in now you don't have to worry it's just like music labels there was a time where you had to get signed to a music label if you wanted to be successful you now can do it independently right. so culinary automotive uh, marketing media you can become a youtuber by yourself if you have the right camera so you don't need movie companies anymore so with 2022 and beyond if you want to learn something learn as much about it as you can as early as you can and vocational schools are free and accessible in most cities so i think right. that it's very uh i think it's a good thing to do that's what's up man that's that's awesome uh, i'm reading this book winning by uh tim grover um oh, yeah awesome. got guy who trained yep jordan uh kobe all those guys yeah d wade d wade yeah yeah and um you know he talks about right like there's there's no one way to win, right? There's no one way to, to, to be successful. Um, it's, it's a matter of, you know, understanding, you know, th this is where I want to go personally. Um, and I think, I feel like you knew where you wanted to go, right? With, you know, your, your clock in of, of culinary school and, um, and then taking that to the next level. So um, I, I always think that's super important, man. And, um, and then going back to like experience, right? I feel like you were able to get 
that experience um, opposed to going to school and, you know, you're in three hour lectures all day. And like, look, I, I got a master's degree, man. And, you know, it, it's great to say that I have a master's degree, but actually like doing the work when I got a job, like that didn't prepare me, you know, for what was to come. Um, and I think that's a super advantage for, you know, people like yourself that, that are able to take that route. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's super cool to, to, to hear that. I, I did have a question though, chef. Um, I know you, you did have a sports background, right? You, you played yeah. football and basketball. basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Football, okay. Basketball. Yeah. Um, can you, can you just talk about kind of your, your sports journey and um, how you take some of the stuff that you learn from sports to kind of what you're doing now or, you know, any of the lessons that you've learned? Well, when it came to football, uh, I played offensive line early on. So there's a certain amount of, of protection and duty that comes with doing any job. There's a certain yeah. amount of, of glory that's not going to come to you, uh, but there's also a certain amount of job well done feeling that you're going to get. So when it came to football, that's what I learned, just sacrifice uh, connecting with my teammates and and I carry that into the culinary space where most times we're all going to make a dish and we're all sitting around in in the back of the kitchen and they like the food but it's no one person that takes the credit somebody might have put the the lettuce on the plate someone might have been good with the tweezers and set the salad up correctly you know someone was standing in in the kitchen and was able to flip the steak and they feel perfectly when it's medium rare or medium well. So you start to become a part of an accumulated team that you might not necessarily get the direct credit for, but the meal is good overall. Everyone is enjoying themselves. So you just have to sit back and let it flow. And with basketball, um, like with vision, uh, I wasn't really as good as a shooter as I would have liked to have been, but I could always see bodies and see the floor and, and command everything the way that, uh, that a point guard should. So for me, where that translated is that there are several different things going on in the kitchen. There are things on fire. There are things that are boiling, things that are in the refrigerator that have to come out a certain time. I can, I'm the perfect floor general. I can see everything, where it's supposed to go, what time it's supposed to get there. Uh, I, can, I can manage people's expectations and their energies on the line. So if I notice one chef is a little bit too eager and moving a little bit too quick, I can pull them off. Hey, take a second, take a breather. How are you feeling? Are, are we feeling back up to the job? Okay, let's get back to it. I, I know how to be the perfect conductor of a great orchestra because just being a point guard always thrilled me. So yeah, that's how sports helps me. Man, that's that just got me like fired up, man. I, yeah, I was, yeah. Seriously, sure. that, that was a great answer because you know we're we're both point guards too, right? Um, and people don't realize, you know, how much in tune to the to the actual game you have to be like you have to really, you know, know your surroundings. You have to know how to talk to certain people. You have to know how to put people in a certain certain spot um, and then also kind of take care of yourself. So, um, yeah, that was shoot podcast over, man. That, that was dope. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nothing like throwing that dime into that person that knew. Yeah. Well, the world did not see me, but I knew you yeah. would see me. Or if I make this cut, and, and it looks like you cannot thread it in there, but I know the one person with the ball, yeah. he can do it. And knowing that feeling and pointing to them when you're done, it's, 
it's nothing like it. That's why I don't need to shoot. If if you get where yeah. you're supposed to go and I find you, no better feeling. Easy for button. sure, man. I can I can relate to a couple of things. One, I have the worst eyesight <laughs> in America. Since I I can't remember. I mean, yeah, I can't even remember how long it's been bad. Yeah, man, I, I have some stories, but I I can relate to the fact that like you can't fully see everything going around, so you you kind of just have to like trust your instinct. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you really just have to trust it. Yeah. And, and, and then after a while, it's like, all right, now I can now I know how to maneuver around certain things. Um, I did I did have a question to, to piggyback off of that. So you made a, a pivot from sports to, to cooking. I don't know really, I, I don't think you're the first person that I know who's done that. What reception did you get? Um, good or bad, and how did you use that reception um, as fuel to kind of push you um, to, to, you know, persevere and, uh, and really go after, you know, this, this career path. I, I feel like uh, I didn't get, well, I got the, the common reception that you would think actually, which is there's no money in that. Why would you want to be that? Uh, who's ever gotten famous from that or whoever, who's ever gotten rich from that? There's, I got the common uh, response of what the success was going to bring me monetarily. So once I was able to stick to my guns and say, well, even if I wasn't rich, I would still want to do this. Then that's how I knew the conviction of, of passion and pleasure and purpose. I felt everything that I was doing that wasn't necessarily aligned with the money that everyone was telling me I was going to make. So as long as I was aware and confident in that space, then I was okay with, with whatever the results of what life was going to bring me. Right. And, um, yeah. Most times you don't get that because we are all conditioned to become hustlers and grinders and break generational curses. And everyone before me didn't see how becoming a chef was going to accomplish that greater ancestral goal. Right. So I, I just had to stick with it and know that the, the things that my grandmother taught me were, were translating somewhere. I know I, I felt confident about the recipes that I was using. I know my mom felt confident to let me cook. And, and I was doing everything that I could uh, to learn more, to reaffirm myself and reassure myself that what I was doing was on the right path. So it's constant reassurance, constant, um, constant search for knowledge, and, and just constant confirmation because it was hard to leave sports. It, it wasn't the easiest decision to make because just as good as I am in the kitchen, I am great in basketball. It's just my body couldn't hold up to what my mind could do. So I had uh, a few injuries early on that just ba basically stunted the growth of where I was going to go. Right. I just had to search the new place for, for the best potential of my life, which was cooking. Yeah, that, that's big time because a lot of people, they don't know how to pivot. Um, and I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, as someone who played um, college ball, um, even though, you know, I had an idea of, of what I wanted to, to do, when you've done something your whole life, it still is like, it's, it's tough making that transition. Right. Right. Um, so I, I commend you for not, for not going down, uh, the wrong path because you're you're from Oakland as well, right? You're from Oakland. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a lot. There's a lot of things you could have got into in Oakland. Yeah, and and honestly, uh, it's it's funny you say that. Uh, I ended up 
on that same kind of like Bel Air type of energy where my mom was living in Oakland and she just didn't like our environment. So she decided to move us to Arizona. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but unlike Bel Air, we didn't move to a mansion in Arizona. We moved to similar conditions in Arizona. So now mm -hmm. I'm dealing with new place, new environment, new circumstances, and what it means to, to be what I'm supposed to become in a new city. And I think also being able to pivot uh, dealt with that too, because being there, I had to make personal survival decisions that a lot of my friends and family couldn't make. They had a lot more on their back because right. of where they had to go. They were still in Oakland with zero mental release of what life is. Now, I was fortunate enough to where there were certain schools I was privy to, certain situations that my mother was able to put me in, in an educational standpoint that I was able to capitalize on based on location. But it's, it's like you're saying, there's, there's a lot of things you can get into. There was a lot of things I did get into, but fortunately I was able to see the light at the end of the tunnel in different educational and and uh, auxiliary programs that, right. that I think that people should be taking advantage of. I was just uh, able to do that. So can you can you talk about culinary art school and what that what that journey was like? Because um, you know you kind of talked about how you got there and through the yeah. vocational school. Um, but can you talk about that that specific journey? Some of the ups and downs of that. Yeah, well, culinary school is, um, most culinary schools are just like Ivy League schools. So you have your Harvards and your Yales, you have your Johnson and Wales, you have your uh, culinary institutes that are in different places. So you have your high prestige level of uh, culinary institutes that will deem you worthy of certain jobs. But if you don't have the money and or can't obtain the the scholarships to get there, then you're left to either decide to work the school of hard knocks or just pick a lane and stay there. So it unlike, uh, well, no, it's actually very similar to, to basketball, where if you go to a particular school, you're almost a shoe in for the NBA because these schools create NBA type players. They have right. the, uh, the connections, they have the conditions, they have the facilities you're almost destined to go if you have the talent. That's what a higher end school is supposed to be in culinary. But if you don't go there, then you're just like any other player that might end up going overseas where you travel to France and you work in a restaurant in France for years until you come back. Or you might end up working in a steakhouse and, and that's where you work. So it just all depends on how much money you're going to put in versus how much work you're going to actually put in. Because if you have the money, go to the Ivy League school, get it out of the way, and then just show them your certificate and, that, and that'll get you in the door. But if that's not what you have the money for or the specific time for, then I would highly suggest uh, picking something and, and knowing that that's what you wanna study. So I, I picked a particular lane and then studied that until I didn't wanna study it anymore. And that is just like, uh, that, that's pretty much how you're gonna get through it. You don't have a traditional school when it comes to cooking, because um, like you can work in a Italian restaurant and then not necessarily be Italians in the kitchen, but you're going right. to learn everything you need to learn. So that's school in itself. Right. right. To figure out if you're not going to pay that high end money, what forms of education are you going to get outside of that? 
It's all school. Yep. Um, so I, I like to like parallel a lot to like basketball or sports or whatever. Yeah. What would, what would be like the equivalent of like you like watching film or like, you know, getting shots up or like who, like who, who are you studying? Um, most importantly, you know, ultimately, how are you getting better as a chef? I'm always curious to, to hear that response to people in different arenas. I study everybody by watching everything, every show, every competition, uh, every Netflix special, yeah. um, every magazine article, uh, every post that another private chef posts on another team, uh, every food trend, er any and everything is fuel. It's like imagine watching a basketball court everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's right. just like if you know when you walk past and you see somebody playing five on five and you just walking past the court and you see something, you like, ooh, I want to get in. Oh, yeah. It's like me everywhere. Everything that someone posts is, is the court for me. And so it's always competition. I see it every day on my feed. I see it on TV. I see it in competitions. Like, so all of it, all of it is fuel. Like I, I feel just like every other chef, just like every other basketball player, that I'm the nicest guy in the kitchen. That's just how I feel. And every time I see somebody else feel like that, I look at them and go, what make you feel that way? And then I see the dish that they made. Oh, okay. I respect that. I'm going to try it. Or, or I'm going to put that Euro into my game. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. literally the same thing. You watch people, you see their moves, you see what you like about them, and then you adapt that portion to your game. And if you don't like it, you that's what I know better for next time. So it's exactly the same. No, that's that's awesome, man. Like I, ironically, my girlfriend, she's been binging, um, what is it called? Like Top Chef, the Gordon Ramsay yeah. joint, yeah. and she's been watching. It and I like tune in here and there, but it's cool to see like the different challenges, but also the creativity, right? And some of the dishes that they have to make. Um, so yeah, I, I could imagine, you know, you you could learn a lot from, you know, from all that stuff. Um, yeah, see, the next time you watch it, I want you to watch it from a point guard standpoint. Watch yeah. what the chef is doing and how fast they're moving and what they're telling the people around them to do, how calm they are while they're doing it, how fast their eyes move, and then you'll start to get excited. You yeah. know, oh, they run the floor. They call it the plays, or or you'll watch a chef come over and say, Chef, we just burned this. And then their mind will realize, okay, we got three minutes left. We yeah. got four more of those left sitting there. Throw it in the oven right now. At about two and a half minutes, pull it out, put a little garnish on it. We should be good to go. And you'll see a point guard move and go, oh, okay. Yeah, right. Watch the clock. That was good clock management. Right. And it'll change your entire mindset when you watch it from a sports theme, from a sports yeah. angle. It's, it's next level for me. Clock in family, Aham here. Appreciate you all for making it this far into the episode. If you enjoy our content, we've got something special for you. Check out patreon.com slash clock in or download the Patreon app that's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N and search clock in the podcast. You'll have a chance to become a subscriber of the podcast for access to bonus episodes, merchandise discounts, and much more. Only at $5.10 a month. The link is also in the podcast description. All right, I'll shut up now and let y'all get back to it. Peace. No doubt. 
That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah I, I gotta I gotta watch it now. Um, I did have a question about mental toughness because um I mean you gotta be mentally tough to, to, to cook for for other people. Right. Right. Especially, especially if you know you're not as experienced. So can you talk about the the mental toughness you have to have to be a chef? Because the reality is you could do everything right and somebody may not like your dish, right? And 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 for some people, they may take that and start to doubt themselves um, and think, am I as good as I thought I was? That person may just not like onions, right? So can you just talk about that, that, that side of it and how you kind of mentally process the good and the bad, right? So not letting the good get you too high up and not letting the bad get you too low? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like he was just mentioning Gordon Ramsay um, and what our OGs are like is just like with a field night where I'm going to yell at you so much that even the crowd, the opponents, there's nothing that's going to get in your mind more than my voice. Once a chef teaches you that, I don't care if you don't like onions. You just didn't like onions. I know my dish is good. You can't rattle. Me. Right. So it's essentially about confidence going into the kitchen way before the person decides whether they like onions or not. So you, you really are being built up to have a tough skin over everything. Like it, it cannot even be about that person. <clears throat> Excuse me. It could be, I burnt my hand while I was making your food. So I, or I could have been putting onions and then sprinkle onions across all four and didn't remember that you didn't like them. It's, it's so many different, uh, compartmentalized mental spaces that your chefs that are ahead of you teach you how to do by overly yelling or being overly aggressive or rattling your cage while everything seems fine. Now, um, that's been called bullying nowadays. It's been considered kind of outlawed. That's why it's on TV and that's why it's celebrated because it's just like hazing. Um, people's lives are not as conditioned to handle and or accept that kind of uh, berating and go into regular life. Uh, it's just not like that anymore. So we do have a lot more chefs that break down. And, and I suggest that you do go through some form of hazing. You do go through some form of mental discipline, whether it be yourself or have someone put you through it. But knowing how to be put through something that's stressful that you can't prepare for, but someone else has been through, it's paramount to the educational phase. You really have to let somebody put you through the fire. So I let my chefs do that to me. Um, and you also got that one chef that, that helped you lick your wounds. For every bad chef that's going to yell at you and throw your food across the room, you're going to have the sous chef that's going to come back and be like, you know, he didn't mean it. You know that you're better than that or that you can do more. And then you just build yourself up. You know what I mean? Because you got to break yourself down to build it back up again. That's the only way you can get better in this situation. Man, yeah, I, I know Austin's thinking the same thing I'm thinking, man. I'll let you go. No, nah, no, nah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, society, we just I think we've kind of lost that, you know, mental toughness as a society, especially in America. Um, right. I don't think we've, America is what it is without, the people before of being, you know, being mentally tough. Um, and then, yeah, man, I, going back to what you said, it's just about kind of going through the fire. Like it's, 
I referenced the Tim Grover book, but you know, he, he proposed a question about like, um, how would you, one word, how would you define winning? And most people would be like, you know, success or, uh, you know, get into the top spot, whatever the case may be. But his definition was like, yo, like winning is like, it's, it's nasty. It's tough. Like it's, uh, resentful. Like you're, you're, it's, it's, it's not a pretty road, man. And I think if if people can understand that and and realize, look, you're going to go through something in order to get to that next level, in order to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but nowadays people want it, they want it right now and they they don't want to go through stuff. Right. Um, So it's, yeah, that's just, again, me and Marshall, we talk about this stuff all the time, man. Yeah. See, and that's in Grover's book for me. Uh, it, it, it lets you know, like, uh, to clock in in that space, like with he's saying of the nastiness and the resentfulness is Kobe and D Wade and, and Mike and all of them had to tell their families, Hey, I have to focus. I love you to death, but where I'm going and the winning that I want to do requires a certain mental acuity that I have to block any and everything out. So that's the portion of winning that's going to be nasty and resentful and pretty. And it's the same way with chefs, where as a private chef, if I'm Mike chef or D Wade chef or, or God bless the dead, if I'm Kobe chef, then I have to be up when they're up. I have to cook when they cook. I have to do what they want me to do. And right now, literally, when it comes to Damien, he is he's still not in his prime yet. We still haven't seen prime Damian Lillard so I have to keep that person mentally and and food wise prepared for his version of winning he's in that Tim Grover season of I'm really ready to do any and everything it takes to get to that next level of success and the next plateau in his career so like yeah man it, it takes so many different things that people are honestly aren't ready for and when they start talking about how much these guys get paid but if you were to know what was entailed in their job, yeah, and the level of things they have to sacrifice, then then you know what their price tag is. Man, you you hit. Go ahead, Austin. No, I was gonna, and I'm going off on a tangent, but like just, and then the, the mental battle of of yourself, like every day, like it's a mental battle every day, dog. Like, right. yo, I don't want to, I don't want to do this workout. I don't want to cook this meal at two a.m. Right? You you could come up with millions of excuses but again it's you versus you are you are you going to win that mental battle by yourself and if you can do that consistently i mean and, you're and, even money, and even money money reaches a point where it's not worth it yeah you you reach a point where someone has just died and you're expected to play a basketball game or you're expected to go into the bubble or you're expected to still have a smiling face. You're expected to still do interviews, sign autographs, be present for any endorsements that you may have, uh, not curse anyone out, uh, regardless of how you may feel and what they just said to you. Uh, it, it's putting yourself as a model citizen uh, for the rest of your foreseeable future for a price tag. And people will test that price tag every day. So it becomes a point to where even money isn't enough. So the mental focus and, and clarity you have to have to wake up and block all of that out, it is 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 really beyond. Yeah, man. Man, you 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 touched on 
one of the things I was going to ask you. So I, I, I figured we might as well just keep it going. And that's, you know, you, you work hand in hand with, with several professional athletes you have over a number of years. Um, can you give people an idea of kind of what their clock in looks like and your, and your part in it? You've already kind of talked about some of it, you know, you waking up when they wake up, all of that. But I think it's important for people to understand um, the lifestyle that, that it comes to being at that level because it's not all rainbows and, and sunshine. And a lot of people want the result of that lifestyle, but they don't really understand the responsibility that that, that comes with. So um, again, just to rephrase it, you know, you work with a lot of professional athletes. What what do you see their clock and look like? And then how does your clock in time there? Um, I try to make sure that my client respects me by my clock in mirroring theirs. So when they do their morning workouts, I'm in the gym with them. And then I'll leave maybe 15 to 20 minutes earlier, if necessary, to go to the store, be able to change my clothes and then have their breakfast ready. So I try and stay lateral to them when it comes to any and everything they're doing. But most of the guys I know, they have a workout before 7 a.m. every day, Monday through Friday, guaranteed. They might take weekends off. But sometimes there's games during the weekend, so that doesn't count. Uh, after that, they'll try and get a nap in. But if they can't get the nap in, they're eating breakfast and have to deal with their family responsibilities. Uh, most times it's a phone call earlier in the morning because with being on the West Coast, everybody's already up on the East Coast while you're up. So that 6 a.m. workout is being interrupted by a 7 or 9 a.m. call that's coming from the other side of the country and they've already been up since 10 on your side. So right. phone calls, interviews, agents, uh, traveling back and forth to the practice facility, uh, picking your kids up from school, everything that a normal person does every day, they have to lace in two, maybe three workouts, at least the interview, uh, a random phone call or meeting. Uh, let's not even talk about trade deadlines when it's just random phone calls and, hey, you might go to this city. Never mind, we changed our mind. Don't worry about that city. Stop looking for a house there. Um, yeah, I, I could go on about what their clock in is like, but when they wake up from 6 a.m. to probably when they lay their head down at anywhere between 8 to 9 o'clock at night, it is filled with working out or something related to their job that's not dribbling a basketball or not throwing a football mm -hmm baseball like it's so many different things because I've had the luxury of being around football players too and their uh, schedule is entirely different when it comes to their preparation because they only have one game on Sunday but every day before that Sunday they have to be doing something that's preparing them either it's a film session it's a walkthrough it's a rehab it's a stretching um, you're reporting to the facilities so it's yeah they're yeah, they, they have very strenuous days and, and it's it's worth every penny from what I see. No doubt. And you said earlier, um, you go to the gyms with, 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 with like some of the athletes sometimes? Yeah, yeah, every time. Um, why, it, why is that? Because I feel like you could just be, you know, at, at the house kind of prepping breakfast or, or whatever. Like why, why, why do you go to the gym with them? Uh, I think it's a part of that uh, that Tim Grover's mentality, to be honest, is that that I want to be respected and held to the same regards that my clients are. So uh, I started this thing where it's it's 7 a.m. Do you know where your chef is? 
they're probably in the bed. Me, I'm up in the gym. I, I got my boxing gloves on. I'm with any yep. and everything they're with, no matter what city we go to. So that way I'm not a liability as a part of a team. Because when you're a team, you travel with these guys and they don't need a lazy chef that's in the hotel room or in his room when we when we clock in in another city and, and being distant and not being fun and engaging. So like off season time, uh, personal time, connection time with these guys, they need to feel that they respect you just as much as they respect your craft. So when they see you in the gym, when they see you working out as hard as them and you don't really have to put it towards anything, they feel like, dang, man, you ain't here with me and you don't even have to be here. Right. You could, like you said, you could be asleep. You could be at home, but it's it's the respect level that I get when they see that I'm in the trenches doing the workout. It's, it's the, okay, well, if chef is going and I hear him getting up, it, it intrinsically motivates them. You don't want your chef to outwork you. So right. what am I doing at the workouts if you're not at the workouts? So it's, you know, it just comes from um, being around Dane, being in Utah, not wanting to be left at, in, in the house when they go to the workouts. Like, no, I'm, I don't want to be that guy. I, I want to be in just like everybody else is in. And that, it's just the, the chip on my shoulder. Man, I love that, man. Fired up again. <laughs> yeah, man, I love that. I love that. And that that's that leads me to another question, man. I, I mean, I've seen you you work out on Instagram and stuff like that. Um, so I can I can you know vouch for, for what he's saying. But uh, what's your favorite way to clock in? You know what I mean? There, there's a lot of different ways that people can work out, but what what's your go-to um and why? Boxing. Boxing is my favorite way to clock in because it's not about your physical as much as it is about your mental. It's back to that point guard mentality where I am conducting the fighter. Like it, the entire time, my energy, my mood, my balance, my demeanor, it all determines on how much that fighter is going to, to give me. So I like the mental balance of, of being in a boxing ring and having to control my breathing control what that person is going to do, uh, not get too eager and throw the wrong punch and then get myself knocked out, uh, make sure I don't get too tired. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things where mind is built in from start to finish. And the longer you go, the more you need your mind and the less you need your body because you, you're just swinging at first. And, and people are used to watching uh, Mike Tyson and knockout artists and think that boxing matches can just be ended quickly and they can be but if you're fighting the right fighter they know exactly how to make it last as long as it needs to last to where they get the mental upper hand that's right. what both boxers are doing we're trying to exhaust the other person's resources until their brain now becomes under my control so i love boxing because it allows me to keep my mind focused sharp and ready whether it's round one or round 12 i'm, I'm locked in it's, a, it's such a good workout, too, man. I have no idea what I'm doing. All my boxing uh, practice is from, is from Apollo Creed and, and Rocky and, <laughs> and Clubber Lane. Um, but it, it's such a good workout. And like you said, man, it's, it's, it's more so mental, you know, than, than anything. Yeah, um, it really is. It really is. I, I, did a, I did have one question, Chef, and um, I know you mentioned, mentioned this on the podcast with uh, Bethany. 
Yeah. Um, do you still do the, I think you, you had a day for health, wealth, and knowledge to self. Do you still do that? And yeah. if so, can you, can you just explain what that is? Because when I heard that, I'm like, man, that's, that's powerful. Oh, man. Well, essentially, you have seven days in a week, and you just try and do two of those um, every week. So you have a health day, a wealth day, and a knowledge of self day. So you just compartmentalize everything in that day to surround one of those topics. So if you wake up and the only thing you're working on is health that day, then eat healthy, think healthy thoughts, be healthy as, as be as healthy as you can. And then the next day, you worry about wealth and wealth only. Check all of your stocks, check all of your business, check everything wealth related. If you eat unhealthy on a wealth day, it's no problem because that's not what you're focused on. You're mm -hmm. focused on wealth today. Then the next day is knowledge of self. So how aware were you on those first two days? Knowledge of self is, can you control yourself? Why did you eat bad on a wealth day when you know you should have been eating good on a health day? Try and figure out what those triggers were. So that way, when you start the health day, the next day, you can be mindful. So you have one health day to be healthy, do whatever you're supposed to do. One wealth day to check on your money and check on your life and check where you are financially and on your success ladder. And then the last day, meditate, regroup, and figure out where you are so that you can start the health day the next day more powerful. And if you keep doing that after a while, you're going to be eating healthy on your wealth day and then thinking knowledge yourself on coming from all of the wealth that you tried to accumulate. And then you take one day out of the week to just relax and not think about nothing. And you just chill and you got seven days in the week done. Yeah. When I, when I heard that, that's I was big. like, yeah, I, that's something I, I'm, I'm going to adopt, man. Um, and like you said, you know, eventually you keep adding pennies to that penny jar. It'll fill up. And now you got habits, right? It's not, Right. Like you, you probably almost forget about, man, it's health or wealth day. Nah, right. it's, just, it's just every day now. Exactly. And if you ever forget, it's a health day. Yeah. Right. You ever, what day? It's a health day. So yep. <laughs> my body, okay. I, something went wrong where I start forgetting or I wasn't where I need. Let me start with a health day. Get back center. Let me get my body right. And then you go with wealth. So like, it's, it's something that you can easily do that doesn't take a new year's resolution. You can start it today and that's the day it starts. Yep. I love it, man, because a lot of people, including myself, you know, I think sometimes we try to uh, go out the gates running to try to tackle all these goals at once, right? I'm about to, I'm about to get a debt this year. I'm about to lose 10% body fat. Right. You know, I mean, all these things, but there's no, there's no system that's, that's sustainable. Right. And I like the fact that you, you dedicated to a day um, because again, I, I'm guilty of it. You know, there's days where I try to do this, 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 and this, and, you know, I may accomplish a good amount of those, but it's like, how much better did I get? Right. How much progress did I really make? Whereas if you focus it on a day, like Austin said, you know, you're getting 5% better each week in that area versus I'm getting like 0.05% better in like 12 different areas right. every day. You right. know what I mean? It's, it's going to take a while to get to that 5%. Progress is something if, unless you can quantify it. If you cannot quantify it, then you did not progress. If right. you don't know how much money you made, then you didn't make any money. 
If you don't know how many pounds you lost, then you didn't do any work. If there is no quantifiable result in what you're trying to do, then you can't determine if you really did it or not. Right. So deciding what it is that you want to do and, and picking that lane, like you're saying, instead of trying to figure out all these different things to do, you can really decide what you did, you know? And I, I know it's funny that you were talking about those days because I also have another initiative that's paired with that. Uh, it's the Find 500 initiative. And it's basically to help people lose weight. And it's, it's surrounded around it being 3,500 calories in a pound of fat. So it's seven days a week and it's 3,500 calories. So I'm not asking anyone to go on an extreme diet, but I'm just asking you to find 500 calories in your diet per day that you can omit. If you usually eat a, a, a Whopper and fries and a soda, just get the kid's meal. Let, let's try and find 500 less calories to eat. And then after a while, you lose a pound. If you lose one pound a week with 52 weeks in a year, you can lose 50 pounds a year if you decide to, like he was saying, stack those pennies. So uh, I have a few initiatives that, that try and show people to be mindful of their daily steps that can increase to a larger goal. Man, we, we'd love to, to, to help you carry that message, man, because yeah, sure. um, that's, I mean, that's, that's really how this whole pocket movement started essentially it was covid a lot of people were just at home um my brother austin he 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 tagged me and, and was at the gym and he, and he said clock in i get that joint and i'm like damn it's, it's 7 30 i just worked i don't feel like doing it. but i'm gonna go clock in because he just tagged me and then we started tagging other people and then that and then that's kind of how things started started uh kind of snowballing um you brought up a lot man that i wanted to to touch on as it relates to nutrition, um, specifically to, to athletes, right? Um, I think a lot of former athletes struggle after they play because we can eat a ridiculous amount of calories in high school, college, even, you know, we, if we're fortunate enough to, uh, to play pro because we're burning so much, right? right? But a lot of times what happens is we stop playing and we, we eat the same amount of calories, right? right? We're not burning as much. So, how do you make sure that guys like like Dame Lillard and Ant Simon and uh, I know you work with Alshon Jeffrey um, yeah. and a bunch of other folks? How do you make sure that they're more educated on the nutrition side, but they're also enjoying their food versus it it being you know you can eat what you want or you're you have the super strict diet where they're not even enjoying. Um, you talk while they're eating. So if you want to put the medicine in the candy, you make a really good salad. And while they're eating it and going, mm, this is good. What is in this? You tell them all the health benefits. You don't tell them, oh, man, I added extra cheese. And you don't talk about it like it's a restaurant order. You talk about it like it's a vitamin order. So it, instead of all oh, you had a steak and it's the mashed potatoes and broccoli, you say, no, man, we got a lot of protein. And we got a lot of omegas that's coming from that fish that you had. And we need to get a little carbs in there. We didn't want to do too much. So we just did some brown rice. And, and I was talking and we found out that your potassium was a little bit low. So we added this. And those are the type of things that you do. You try and talk to them about the health benefits while they're physically eating the food. So that if they're talking to someone else, that will kind of um, subconsciously enter their mind. 
and it lets them know that you're thinking about it even though they aren't. So you also need someone like me who is hired to do that. They they have someone who is put in position to to monitor their food and even after they they leave the league. So uh, finding a nutritionist, finding a, a trainer at the gym, finding someone even in, in your personal life who is going to be that, that voice of reason and uh, give you that supplemental information you may not have. That's how I think a regular person can do it. But when it comes to them, they have someone like me who is certified to be able to do that, even if it's in or out of their career. So they just listen to me and then I boost the benefits of what they're eating as opposed to how good it tastes. Right. I, I like that, man. It, it's, it's really focusing on the, um, whether you mean it this way or not, the, the results you're going to get from eating the food versus, right. you know, this, this is, this tastes good. Or I wanted to add this because I, I thought, you know, uh, this would mask the taste of this other thing. Right. Um, it's focused on, on the benefits, which, which is aligning to their goals. Um, what are some common mistakes that you see athletes make? You know, ones that maybe you're not working with and ones you've worked with in the past, because I assume everybody may not have a private stuff, right? So what, for people that are listening that, you know, let's say they're in high school and they're going into college, or they're in college and they're going to, to, to the pros, or they're current, currently in high school, college or pro, and, and they're looking to kind of better their nutrition. What, what are some things that you can kind of tell them to avoid um, and then what are some things that you can kind of give them advice on what they should do? Uh, I think the first and most important thing they should do is consult with their physician because there are people that are as strong as an ox but might have a health condition, just like Shaq's son, where you may be built for certain things, but competition is not, your body can't handle it. Or you may have adverse reactions to certain foods. So consult with your physician and dietitian, and make sure that you are on the right track that you're supposed to be on and then get adequate rest, adequate nutrients and adequate water. I think that um, a lot of, of younger athletes nowadays are looking at supplemental juice drinks and detox drinks and, and, uh, and really not taking in the natural things they need to be taking. So make sure you're getting enough sleep, getting enough water, enough of what your dietitian and nutritionist and doctors say is vital for your body. Uh, everyone's built differently and, uh, and stay away from a lot of the fast food. Like it's, it's not as good for you as you would think. And I know everyone says it's bad, but when you're an athlete and you're using your, your food as fuel, it can really be detrimental as opposed to a regular person who's just looking to eat something and feel full. So Definitely um, try and avoid the fast food as much as you can and just consult with, with the right people and, and have the right things around. Supplements, vitamins, all of those things. Yeah, and, and that, that kind of goes back to what we talked about, you know, with uh, the health day. And I think you, you mentioned this, uh, Chef, like, yo, instead of, instead of going to Wendy's or Chick-fil-A that one day, all right, I know it's health day, so I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a cook a meal. I'm gonna see what's in the fridge, right? Um, and then, you know, but that's also going to help towards the wealth day because you're going to save money. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, And then knowledge itself is what do I eat? Do I stress eat? Do I emotionally eat? Do I eat when, when I'm sitting in traffic or 
or how long does it take me to get home? Well, I guess I'm just going to pull off to this. Fit. That's the knowledge itself. So, yeah, yeah, it, it, it all. Yeah, it's a cycle. All connected. Um, a few more things, man. Um, you know, I wanted to definitely get an idea of uh, what Dame's favorite dish is. Um, when it, let's say uh, we'll, 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 give, we'll give two categories, right? His favorite dish, like in season, you know, like he's still trying to eat healthy, right? And then his favorite, like cheat meal. Okay. Um, his favorite dish, ironically, is uh, these red wine braised short ribs. And that's uh -huh. a mix of my grandmother's cooking and my French cooking. So my grandmother used to always make short ribs like they're they're still like some of the best things I've ever had. But she you got the sauce, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the sauce and it's the gravy. And it's just it's something else. It's like it, it just reminds me of home, the smell and and you know when them cook when they're cooking and they take so long to cook that you just keep walking past the kitchen knowing that yeah. <laughs> it ain't ready yet. Yeah, they're not ready yet. But when they ready, oh, <laughs> like, like that 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 uh, that anticipation is what we grew up on. So I've added some French touches to it. Added the red wine, the French kind of uh, demi glace, some mushrooms. You know, I've, I've kicked it up a little bit because in his travels and the places that he's went. He's definitely had an elevated palate that I have to keep up with. So I would say that's his favorite in-season meal. Uh, you can pair that with some brown rice, uh, broccolini, or, or some mashed potatoes, and we're good to go. Uh, out of season, um, there is this little-known college place that he goes to in his um, home college town in Ogden, and they have this lemon pepper chicken strips and fries. Wow, that sounds crazy. Yeah, I never even heard of that. Lemon pepper, chicken, pepper chicken strips and lemon pepper fries. Wow. wow. I never, I never they, heard of that. And they make it just for him. I, I had never heard of it. It was in one of the trips to Utah, and we go to this place, and this is it's his favorite place. And next thing you know, he's, he's ordering up one of those for me and one more to go. And I'm like, what is it? And then they bring it out, like, and they know, you know what I mean? So, like, this must have been his post-game, pre-game, whatever he used to eat when he was getting buckets was yep. this. So right. we put in, and, and they ordered him up, too, and, and they brought – I'm talking about extra lemon pepper. It was crazy. <laughs> but it tasted good. I tried it. Um, it's, it's, I, I had mine with ranch, but, yeah. That was have, you, have, you ever, have you ever tried to, um, to create your own version of it? Yes, okay. of course I have. Remember we talked about <laughs> yeah. ship on my show. I don't care <laughs> what, what meal. No, I'm I'm trying that. Of course. Oh yes, of course I had to. <laughs> I mean, you didn't taste like a college version, but right. my yeah, but uh, uh, see, and even in that regard, they beat me because I cannot recreate the nostalgic flavor oh, of what yeah. him feel. But I can do my best in a healthy. Or, or updated version to give him that feeling without him being sick or, or, or needing to overeat. So I, I might not do the chicken strips the way they did, but I, oh, I definitely tried. Definitely. No doubt. <laughs> Man, we're gonna have to do a, uh, 
a short ribs and, and my mom's mac and cheese swap, like the Jersey swaps. Oh, you know the plates up. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to send something in the mail. We're gonna have to have a little, little, little. Let's do it. Uh, no, I'll pull up. I'll swap. pull up, man. You, no, that that mac and cheese got to be hot out the oven. I know. Oh, yeah. Look, I don't I know if they play the Wizards again, but we we live like thirty minutes from DC, so. Oh man, let's make it happen. I'll check. I'm always down to go to a game. I was just in Phoenix a few weeks ago doing that same thing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, we, we got we got to figure that out. Um, a couple more things. I saw you did a lot of community work, man. Which you know, just talking to you now, I'm not not surprised. So, can you talk about some of your community initiatives and um, you know the mission behind all of that? Uh, I I feel like community is something that we were welcomed into uh, in the Portland area. So it's only my job, like, and my honor to really give back to the people that embrace me. Uh, like you saying, being from Oakland, it was kind of hard to come up here without a certain stigma that people wanted to try or a certain barrier that I had to break. So either it was with people who are from here that are, oh, you from Oakland, so you think you're tough. Or it's people that are in a business realm that, oh, you're from Oakland, so... The, the way you carry yourself might not be the aesthetic that we like and dealing with a lot of those things. So once I was able to be uh, integrated into the community as, and feel comfortable, I decided to give back. So uh, a, a, good, a good friend of our family and someone that we watch grow up uh, is Jaden Grant, is Brian Grant's son. He's a Laker and Blazer great. So uh, dealing yeah. with him and cooking for him and being around him, uh, I become a partner with the Brian Grant Foundation so I do a lot of recipes. I do a lot of interviews, demo cooking sessions and things like that to just benefit Parkinson's. Uh, I try and cook uh, whenever I can uh, and, and volunteer my time. I, I give away a lot of my services to auctions and things like that. So people can bid on having a, a three-course dinner made by me. Uh, I, I just try and do any and everything I can to, to be charitable and, and give back to the city. And, and life as a whole, because I'm really blessed to be in the position I'm in and, and see all of the things that I've seen. So it's, it's only right to, to try and help somebody else up. Man, that's awesome. It's awesome. Go ahead, Austin. Now, I was going to say, um, I mean, I, I can already tell, man, you, I mean, you have a, a server's attitude, um, you know, you and meaning you like to serve people, right? And, right, right. Um, and that's what God wants from us, right? We, he put us on this earth to serve, do certain talents and abilities. And you're doing that in, in full effect, not only with your um, professional career, but, you know, obviously in the community. So it's super important, man. Man, I, I appreciate it. It's, it's funny you say that because uh, a lot of the private chefs, we consider ourselves like the secret service where uh, mm. we do our jobs every day and you don't notice it but if we don't do our job for one day you're gonna tell <laughs> it's just one of them things where you go to work every day and and your job is impeccable but it's boring because no one gives you props you're mm -hmm. supposed to be good you're supposed to nothing is supposed to happen on your watch so you you come into this flow of constant service and getting used to serving at a high level that it, it just becomes naturally what you do. It becomes ingrained in, in, in what your life is. I mean, you brought up an interesting point, man, that I, I'm like just thinking about. And, that, and that's, we never meet the people who cook the food at restaurants. 
You know what right. I'm saying? Like we don't. It, it, every now and then, you know, he might be the only like dude that's visible for real, for real. Right. You gotta have a certain amount of humility and I think passion for what you do to not get any credit, but then, like you said, get the blame when things go wrong, right? Right. Because um, you, again, you're not you're not having that face to face interaction with. Uh, uh, with with the with the customer, if you're working at a restaurant, right um, now with what you do, you get a little bit more or more of that, right? You know, with what you do, but um, it's really one of the most selfless things that you can do as a profession, in my opinion, is is providing a, an experience, memories um, with others. Because everybody connects through food, man, and, and you being a part, like you're a part of so many memories that you probably don't even realize it. Um, but you're not getting invited to the wedding, right? You're not getting invited to the baby shower. Right. Um, right. But I think the fact, you have to have a certain maturity too, I think, to be okay with that. Um, so I, I definitely want to want to commend that, man. Um, what, what was it like seeing, you know, Dame on the on the, the top 75 list, man? I know you, you've known him, what, since y'all were this big. Yeah. Um, so seeing where he came from to where where he is now, where he's going, I mean, how does that how does that make you feel, man? What was that like? Uh, it's uh, it's still surreal. It's still uh, one of the best experiences of my life. Uh, I consider it like uh, like Howard Cosell watching Ali. Uh, you know, like you get to there's there's one person that's experiencing it, and then there's the other person that's the narrator of it. So mm-hmm. I love being the narrator. I love being the historian. Uh, I've bought his shoes since the beginning. I've kept tickets. I have tons of memorabilia. Uh, for me, it's something that's watching a, a, a dream fulfilled for him. He's been wanting this all his life. It, it, there's nothing he wants more. So when he literally said, there's nothing I want more, if you know him, you know that to be literally true. There's right. nothing else that he wants more. So to watch him sacrifice what he sacrificed and put in what he's put in and, and be acknowledged. Uh, to me, he's, he's, uh, if he doesn't get a championship, he is the, the next version of Iverson where we don't give you a ring, but you are held in the highest regard. And right. if you do get a ring, then now we're talking Chris Paul level. We're talking, uh, we're talking in one of the great levels. So right. let's try and, you know, it, it's let, let's try and see where he takes it. But either way, for me, it's one of the greatest experiences in parallel to the fact that I get to have my dream with him. So it's it's cool that I get to be a narrator and a participant, too, because I didn't want to be an athlete once I realized I couldn't be the greatest. So now that I'm a chef, I get to be in this lane and be the yeah. greatest for myself while he's the greatest version of himself. And it's like being on the Avengers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, man. Cross energy. We don't, he knows my strengths. I know his. And they both come together to make this, this beautiful marriage of, of me being close and, and uh, having a front row seat, literally, you know, having a courtside view of, of watching him do what he does. So, and contributing yeah. to it, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you're, huge. You're, huge. you're a huge contributor to it. I can only imagine, man. And, uh, but I'm a Lakers fan, so um, 
we, we would, I'm, I can't, I can't, you know, I know you can't say, say much, but I'm, I'm just saying, man. Um, no, no, con- no comment until I can comment. That's it. <laughs> we, That's, we, yeah. I'm just saying it, it would be nice if, if yep, yep, you know, I, we, we, we had, we, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It would be, it would they be nice, a lot. But, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I got, I got, I got two more questions. Okay. Um, do y'all, do, do you and Dame, do y'all still like hoop? Do y'all still do like shooting competitions? And oh, if so, yes. like, do you, do you be getting them? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, it, it was funny. Um, it was a family reunion where he wasn't really supposed to be playing hard and his <laughs> team started to lose. <laughs> so he just started taking over the game. <laughs> he would not let his team and, and he was playing casual at first and right. they got down maybe three or four and they were only going to 11 so <laughs> like you know, and, yeah, and pick yeah. up and pick up that's like being down 10 yeah. no, right 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 so so you were legit he, he must have looked up at some invisible clock and did not like what was going on <laughs> and I'm talking about every play from then on I'm bringing it up I'm shooting it <laughs> get these bums off the court like like and he's gonna talk it, like no one is yeah. safe, you know but that's what that like he he was the smallest of the bunch so where he's talking from is a space of you used to do this to me when i was a kid right right my turn and i'm not gonna stop because right. we didn't stop so he's <laughs> this is his chance so if it's a family reunion if it's uh like free throws, who makes ten out of ten? Yeah. He's going to make ten out of ten. That he's not going to let anyone beat him. And if he does, you have to run it back. You already know. A W got to come out that gym somehow. That's just the way that works. So I feel that. Uh, my my last question. Um, if you're looking for any taste taste testers, man, I'm I'm open for work. So do. <laughs> Hey, there, any, is there any is there any opportunities? Hey, just, just pull up on me and bring a spoon, man. It's all good. I'm always cooking something that that needs a little second opinion. <laughs> I'm with it. My last question, man, and we ask all our, our guests is, um, is what's next for you, or what what do you envision being next for you? Because you know you you're at a good point in your in your profession, but just talking to you, I know you're not satisfied, right? Um, so what, what's next for you? Um, if you can share it, uh, or, you know, what, what do you have from a vision perspective as to where you want to be, I guess, you know, in in, in the short term and long term? Um, short term, I want to be happy. I think that most people don't really, uh, think about their, their overall happiness in the short term. So I I just want to be happy, whatever that looks like for me, whatever decisions it takes, on a day-to-day to make me the happiest person so that I can just keep moving on and, and keep my, my three days working. I'm cool with that. But long-term, um, I'm seeing myself actually wanting to become a head chef of an organization. I, I don't want to be a private chef anymore. I actually want to uh, try and take on what a whole team looks like and taking care of all the guys and the staff and, and just taking control of the organization. I would like to, to move on to that. Um, I also want to start my initiative and, and have uh, some 5Ks, have some fine 500 weekends. 
uh, where we do 500 calorie workouts. And then after that, you can eat what you want because you, you found your 500. You know, I want to do so many different things in the community. Um, I want to start uh, some more, some more group therapy sessions. I feel like uh, we had a lot of people um, claim their own lives and, and uh, are, are going through certain emotional things that, that they really need healing from. So I wish that I can be a little bit more integral, especially since losing my brother in 2020, I knew what therapy did for me and helped me get back to the space that I'm in. Right. So those are just a few of the things that's on my list long-term. That's big time, man. And um, I don't know if you've seen clips of it. Um, you probably will, but the I Am Athlete podcast, they had Michael Beasley on. And uh, Beasley's from this area, you know what I'm saying? So we, we know people who know him. And uh, he, it was pretty much a venting session. For him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it speaks to what you're talking about, which is a lot of people need, need healing. Um, and I think as human beings, we need to also uh, have a certain level of, of grace and, uh, and, and sympathy uh, for people um, so that, you know, we're, we're a solution, not, not adding to the problem. So uh, if you haven't seen that or at least seen clips, man, I think you'll appreciate, um, you know, appreciate how your message could connect with somebody like him. You know, man, you, you could be the one who. You know, you, you got to connect. You probably have connections, too. I think he played in Portland for a little bit, um, maybe, yeah. like maybe on the summer league or something like that. Oh, anyway. Yeah, Bees was out here. Yeah, yeah, man. So, I mean, you might be you might be the guy who, you know, he, he can come to. But uh, but look, man, I, I know you got stuff to do. This has been I'm not just saying this. Like, this has been one of our best episodes for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like we say this whenever we have, like, guests, which we, we I think we have. Look, man, not to toot our own horn, but I think we got one of the best. We call it our local pods yeah. in the area. Um, but for me personally, this this is up there, man. Like you, you dropped a lot of gems. You know, you were genuine. You can tell you're humble. And um, you know, I just got that discernment from you, man, just from jump. Like, so um, yeah, we we can't we can't express our appreciation enough, man. Man, I, I appreciate being on. Uh, I appreciate you taking your time and and uh, I can't wait to try this macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Bring the short ribs, and, and we can catch a vibe and talk about our feelings. And, and he could be there. Like, like I, I appreciate everything. It's it's always good to talk to people that um that want to know more and 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 have something to say as well. So it was cool to connect on the point guard vibes. Like, no you, doubt, I'm not playing when it comes to to the general vibes. You know. I can tell, man. I know I know when someone knows from experience versus just knowing from other people's experience. And you know from experience. Right. I can tell you 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 know you used to hooping. Uh, I'm sure you still got some left in the tank, man. But uh yeah, yeah but I will yeah. I'll use that tank for, for culinary purposes only. <laughs> <laughs> Focus up, know your strengths and know your weaknesses. In my family, we already got a top 75 guy <laughs> all of the tank that we are ever gonna need. Hey, yep. look, man, we, I, I do have to do this um, before we get off. So uh, shout out to, to our guy, Joe Day, man. Joe Day, um, we, we grew up with him, you know, went to the same elementary school, middle school, all that. And he actually won uh, one of Dame's first four-bar Friday competition. Oh, that's and, what's uh, 
And he went to New York, I think it was 2017, and performed it, you know, when Dame hosted that party in New York, in New York City. So yeah. shout out to our guy, Joe, Joe Day, man, sure. for, uh, um, for, for, for winning that four bar Friday. Shout out to Dame for, for even doing something like that. That just, again, it just goes to show the type of dude he is. Um, and, you know, obviously the type of the guy, type of guy you are, you guys are real humble, um, genuine dude. So shout out to Joe, man. And uh, yeah, man, last thing. We 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 can shoot it from three too. We got a little bit of range too. I we play in the men's league, you know, it's nothing, nothing crazy, but you know, I we're just tell Dane, man, if, if he ever wants to get a three-point, you know, if we're in if we're in the area. I will tell him what you sound more confident about that. Because <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but you you were thinking about 40 feet. When you were even saying that statement, you were thinking <laughs> if he just steps back three more steps and makes the competition from here, you're done for like you, you might want to stay around the regular NBA three. He's taking hey, he's look. gonna say yes, but you have to take three steps back. All right, look, man. I'll send I'll send some footage. I'll send some <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's all game. It's all game. Hey, and if you put the chip on his shoulder, do not get mad at what happens to you. <laughs> look, you in that video. Look, we we're we're competitors and but it's all love after you know after the competition. So we've right. never ducked any we've never ducked any smoke. That's all I'm saying. Like we, hey, hey, I never ducked any either, smoke. but but I, I definitely wouldn't be the person to bring him in. So, <laughs> yeah, if, that, if, that, if that's where your head is, that we we we, we saw what happened to Paul George. Right, right. That's why. God bless you. If, hey, you be thirty. I hope it's all. I hope it works out well. But, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. We'll let you go, man. Again, uh, peace and love, man. And uh, get episode sixty-eight, clocking the podcast, uh, clocking out with with Chef Kenny James, man. Check out. Check out. Uh, let's do this real quick. What's your What's your Instagram so people can follow you, um, or, or any other ways they can reach you? Uh, I'm Chef Kenny James on Instagram. Uh, that's really the primary place that you can find me and anything that I'm doing. Uh, and that, yeah, that's about it for me. All right, Stay cool, low. man. Good stuff. Appreciate y'all tuning in, man. Y'all, y'all be safe. Peace and love. Peace yes, and love. Sir. Take care. We put in work and here's the proof. What you want? I'm making moves, punching in. I'm on it too. I'm in the gym. I'm in the stew. It's hunting season. Where's the food? We push each other daily. Level up. Cause that's what brothers do. Clock in.